You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. started with uh, our Growth University. Thankful for everyone who is here and watching online and believing that tonight will strengthen our hearts as we look into the Word of God. I want to make a few uh, announcements just at the onset of this. Uh, this Sunday, of course, is Super Team Sunday. I'm sure nobody really cares that it's also the Super Bowl at this point. Um, but it is, yeah, what is that? Um, but it is Super Team Sunday. There we go. A Damascus moment. But Super Team Sunday is a, a fun Sunday for us, and you can dress casual if you'd like, but we're going to just be highlighting our ministry teams and ministry team leaders and uh, inviting people to participate in ministry here, and uh, I believe it'll be a, a, a great time for us and just a great Sunday for a lot of camaraderie and connections so make sure you're here 10 o'clock starts the sign up and we have donuts and coffee for that and uh, afterwards we'll begin our service uh, after that so want to go to the lord in prayer tonight and uh, many of you probably saw the email we sent out uh, yesterday but uh, monday evening sister janice reed did pass away and we want to just remember her family and the Reed family just going through a lot personally already, uh, but uh, we know the strength of the Lord is with them, and um, this uh, really is an opportunity to celebrate her life and to uh, just recognize that she is where we're all reaching to go, and that's to be with the Lord. And so just remember the Reed family, and we're going to pray for them today. I'm sure there are needs represented here tonight. Maybe you have some needs in your life, and I wonder if you would just lift that up to the Lord uh, and just acknowledge him. We've had a few family members of members that have been in the hospital the last number of weeks, and uh, we want to just remember all those who are walking through these type of seasons. So why don't we just uh, lift our voices together and uh, as you pray for others, just pray that the Lord would speak to you through his word tonight. Lord, we come to you. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness. We thank you for the faithfulness of your people. Lord, as we gather tonight to look into your word afresh, I pray that you would bring revelation and you would bring understanding. We know, Lord, there are those who are here tonight and those who are watching online, Lord, that maybe are walking through a tough time, a season of their life where... Uh, there's some difficulty and loss and, and struggle, and I'm praying, God, that you would meet their need. You would be uh, their strength, and you would be their peace. God, everything that we know you are, you can be to us, and we give you praise tonight. We give you glory. We thank you for the impact that this church is having on the lives of so many. We're praying your uh, just continued leadership in our lives and open doors for where we go and what we do. We give you honor. We give you glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said amen. 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 
Well, we're going to continue tonight in the series that uh, Pastor Kristen has been leading us in, uh, talking about the names of God. And I pray that as we go through this series, the series is an opportunity, I think, to just one more time cast our eyes on a God who uh, is absolutely powerful and um, Many times we can see God in one dimension. Many times we see God in the, the dimension of whatever we're going through. But I think through this series, we're seeing God. We're seeing a God who uh, is multifaceted and interacts with us in different ways. And, and we started, and she started the series with the foundational names of God, Elohim, Jehovah, and Adonai, Elohim, the strong creator God, Jehovah, the relational God, and Adonai, the God who rules. And uh, Sister Julie McGehey blessed us with a lesson on Abba Father, recognizing him to be our Father. And we, uh, over the last number of weeks, have explored God's name as the Lord our provider, the Lord our warrior, the Lord our peace, and the Lord our banner. And it's, it really is awesome to see God in these dimensions and in these uh, facets of life. And tonight we're going to look at two more names of God that when we apply them and recognize this dimension of God in our life, I think it can position us in incredible ways. And so tonight, this first name of God that we're going to consider uh, maybe one of the first names that you, if you grow up in church, uh, you might uh, understand or hear about. It comes from a scripture that is read often. We learn it as a child in Sunday school, and it's read often in very difficult times. It comes from Psalms 23, and God shows up in this psalm, and it says, a psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so we see Jehovah, we see God in this role as a shef shepherd. Jehovah Rohi uh, is maybe uh, the, the Hebrew way of saying it, but it is really the Lord our shepherd. And let me say specifically, the Lord my shepherd. Everyone say, my shepherd. my shepherd. So we know the story of David. Most of you are very familiar with David and his uh, beginning uh, and how he was uh, brought out from the shepherd's field to be anointed to be king. But in that story, in that idea of who David was, before he's king, before he writes this, he is a shepherd. And that has significant uh, implications because it, re it really points us to a dimension of God that I think um, we can maybe forget about or don't quite make application because we're so distant from the idea of a shepherd and the idea of a sheep. And Pastor Kristen did a whole series on Psalm 23. But really looking back at a shepherd, what is a shepherd doing? Of course, a shepherd is leading leading the sheep to where they need to go. He's looking for a way to feed the sheep and to protect the sheep. And so when we look at this first verse, Psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall 
not want. We see first that it's in the present tense. The Lord is. It's not a, just a past experience or some distant future. He'll be my leader. No, the Lord is my shepherd. And I'm thankful for that reality in my life. Every day I can have confidence that the Lord is my shepherd. Secondly, we see that David declares that God is taking responsibility for us. The Lord is my shepherd. A shepherd takes responsibility for the sheep. And so when he says that the Lord is my shepherd, it's saying that God is taking responsibility for us. How would you like to have responsibility of you in your spiritual walk? And God says, I'll take it. I'll be your shepherd. And then he says, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Not just a group shepherd, but he points to this idea that he is my shepherd. And when we look at the New Testament, we see the, the implications of Jesus when he said, I'll leave the 99 for one sheep. And that's the relationship that God is saying here, that I want to be not just our shepherd, I want to be your shepherd. And I think that's a powerful way to view God, that he is leading your life. And we can skip over the first verse of Psalms chapter 23, but there's so much contained in that, and I'm, I'm thankful to know that he takes responsibility for us and that he is my shepherd. In Ezekiel chapter 34, we read about those who aren't great shepherds. It says in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? says, you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool and you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up, nor have you bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered and he said, my sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. Now he's talking about the leaders of Israel, but when you recognize that he is saying, I am your shepherd, you realize that all of these things they weren't doing, he's willing to do. He's willing to strengthen those who are weak. He's willing to heal those who are sick, those uh, he's willing to bind up the broken and bring back those who are driven away. Those who were lost, he'll seek after them. And so it's a powerful metaphor for us to, to recognize and a, a symbol of what God wants to be in our lives. But in order for him to be the shepherd, there's one minor detail that gets me every time. I have to be a sheep. 
That's the difficult part of this equation. Because I actually have to be a sheep in order for him to be the shepherd he wants to be in our lives. Sheep are a lot of things, bring a lot of good into the world. But sheep are really humble animals. And again, Kristen talked about this in her series in Psalm 23. I don't want to be redundant, but in some ways, sheep are simple-minded. And some may even consider them to be a stupid animal. And I'm not going to go that far and call all of us stupid. But we do have to be simple. We have to be humble for him to be the shepherd of our lives. In November of 22, you may have saw this. I, I just was absolutely fascinated by this story. In November of 2022, a video surfaced out of China of sheep. Y'all remember this? Sheep walking in circles. Hundreds of sheep have been eerily walking around in a circle for 12 days straight in northern China's Inner Mongolia region. All right, you can cut it off. That's all we wanted the to see. The bizarre behavior. Sheep walking in circles, not for like an hour, 12 days. I, I don't know. We, maybe we don't want to classify them as stupid. That's pretty simple-minded. The eerily, eerie sight was more confounding and just uh, that, that I'm thinking, why doesn't somebody stop them? So we beg the question, where's the shepherd? Who's in charge of these sheep? Maybe they just were enjoying it. Like, wow, just walking around. How long is this going to last? But sheep are followers by nature. They follow. And so in order for us to really see God as our shepherd, we actually have to be sheep. We have to be humble and we have to be followers. And sheep are defenseless. They, they, they really don't defend themselves against prey. They need somebody, almost like a child or an infant needs the care of somebody. Sheep are permanently like that. They need somebody who are watching over them. And sheep are dependent. They require assistance. In 2005, a sheep was found after six years of being lost in, in the Australian countryside. And we have a picture of that. And you, you realize the sheep need somebody. Need somebody to help it shed some of the excess wool that's on them. And again, we understand the concept of Jesus is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But you and I have to put our confidence in him. We have to put our reliance on him. We have to humble ourselves to him in order for him to actually be the shepherd. 
And so when we do that, when we put ourselves in the hands of God, Psalms 23, 2 tells us, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He gives me rest. He is taking responsibility. Think about this. He takes responsibility for your location. Leads me beside the still waters. Then he says he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's the one who orders my steps for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He's taking responsibility for my enemies. He's taking responsibility for my protection. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Means that I can find something to eat in the middle of mine enemies. He's able to protect us and feed us in spite of the enemies, and he anoints our head with oil. Cup runs over, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he's our shepherd. He leads us to this place, and it's a lot of ways we can look at goodness and mercy. Some say it's like sheepdogs. Others could say it's like under shepherds. But goodness and mercy are following us when we follow him. He takes responsibility for us and our salvation. He's present in the time of trouble. He is personal, meaning he will be present. And I, So we come back to that first verse. Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The NLT, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. NIV says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Another translation says, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not be in need. That's the type of relationship God wants to have with us. And so I want to look to God as my source. Doesn't always happen that way. I sometimes put confidence in myself, but I live better when I put him in control of my life. He's the provider, protector, leader. In every way. Jesus would say this in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He says a hireling, he who is not a shepherd, one who does not own sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hiring flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. First Peter 1 verse 2 says, For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. He put himself 
in the hands of God who bore him, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by though by whose stripes you were healed for you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls and one more passage Hebrews chapter 13 now may the God of peace who brought us uh, brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I don't think that God just wants us to be, God doesn't just want to be our savior. He wants to be our shepherd. He wants to lead our life. He wants to guide it and protect it because he knows what's best for it. The final name of God that I want to consider tonight is one that finds itself in the no trespassing zone of the Bible. No trespassing signs in life are pretty important. You ever seen a no trespassing sign we have one back here on our property and it hasn't always worked has it brother greg brother greg's had to flush a few people out of the woods from time to time maybe you're that person who when you see the no trespassing sign like oh i gotta go i gotta go in now grand canyon there's usually two or three deaths a year from people falling over the rim in the grand canyon in spite of the signs that say you probably shouldn't go here. The exodus of God's people in the book of Exodus, and in particular when we read the story of the book of Exodus, it's an incredible account of God's people making a mass exodus. It's an exciting book. And when you think about Genesis and Exodus, Man, those are just, I mean, it's one story after the next. It's super exciting. And, and God delivers his people. He brings them out of bondage, out from under the hand of the oppressor. They're freed to go into the promised land. And they're going to reach that in the book of Numbers. And they're going to see God give them this land of promise. But sandwiched between Exodus and Numbers is this no trespassing zone, so to speak. It's the book of life. It's called Leviticus. It's a daunting book to read, and it usually trips a few people up on their Bible reading plan at the beginning of the year. So if you started in Genesis in January, you're probably in the book of Leviticus right now, and you're just, oh, yeah, the attrition of the Bible reading program, I think begins in the book of Leviticus. It's just, that's not an official survey or anything. I'm just going off my own experience when you're trying to make sense of what's happening. But it's kind of a no trespassing book. And it's there to help them, God's people, stay out of trouble. And God reveals himself in a specific way in the book of Leviticus that I think is very powerful for our lives as we look at this last name tonight. And the name that he reveals himself as is Jehovah 
Mekodeshkum or Mkadesh. Now, I have to confess that Kristen gave me this specifically because she did not want to say that word. And she knew I would trip up on that word. But I'm just saying it once. You heard me say it. I said it correctly. That's all there is. It means the Lord who sanctifies. The Lord who sanctifies. God delivers the children of Israel. They began to worship him. And he delivers them so, in fact, they can worship him. He tells Pharaoh, hey, I, I want you to let my people go so they can go up and worship me in the wilderness. His point in bringing them out of Egypt was not so that they could return back to bondage in Canaan. He frees them so that they can freely worship God with their lives. And anytime you and I can freely worship God, we can be who he wants us to be. And so they come out of Egypt and he tells them, I'm going to take you to this place, but I want you to know that you are a holy people. You're a called out people. You're a sanctified people. And so he's calling them out and he uses uh, this law, this book of Leviticus to really outline for them how they are to be set apart or how they are to be sanctified in this new place. And we read three key words in the book of Leviticus. We read uh, the, the word common. Some things are common. He says some things are profane and some things are sacred. All three uh, of these words can summarize pretty much anything that we read about things that we see in Scripture, actions that people have, or people that we read about. They're going to fall into one of these categories. They're going to be common, that which is just regular or ordinary. It exists for the general welfare uh, and the general good. There's nothing special about it. It's just common. And then there's the idea of profane. The things that are profane are things that are polluted or defiled or contaminated. And, and they're destructive to people. These actions, these attitudes, and these people are destructive. And so they're profane. And then there are things that are sacred. They're things that are special to God. And they reflect His glory. They're unique things that God wants to use. And so they, they could be God's presence that's considered holy. It could be a, an agreement that he makes or some purpose. And so we see that things that are common, things that are just kind of general, uh, will, will be that. And they will usually fall into two categories at some point. The, the general things will either end up being profane or they'll end up being sacred. Now, again, common is kind of a, a neutral zone of sorts. It's neither good nor bad, but uh, many times they will fall into an area. We see this uh, principle of being not one or the other uh, in the New Testament when Paul said to Timothy, for every creature of God is good. 
and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. And that's why we pray for our bacon. If we thank God for bacon, it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. It is holy. It is sacred. The shrimp that you eat, the fried shrimp, that popcorn shrimp you got at Red Lobster, hopefully you gave thanks for it. And if you did, it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Days of the week. So you look at the days of the week. <laughs> yes, the song. <laughs> yes, not even going to go there. Another uh, uh, way we, we kind of look at the, the, the way that things become sanctified, uh, uh, when God created the world, he said every day was good. They're, they're pretty common. They're pretty ordinary. But on the last day, he did something special. He rested. And he said, this day is sacred. Wasn't that the other days were bad, but he's elevated this day to be a sacred day. And you see years, sabbatical year, the jubilee year. He, he added some kind of uh, special specialness, if we can use that word, to uh, a particular thing that wouldn't necessarily be good or bad. Some of you have these kind of things in your home. You have dishes that only come out on special occasions. They're sacred. They're holy. And if somebody dares, gets them out on a day that is not a sacred day or not a holy day, it's, it's a war. I've seen people play softball. Brother Danny, back in the day, you, you may have known some people like this. They had softball bats designated only for certain games. When you were practicing, when you were playing just pickup ball, don't touch that bat. It's only for the game. It's a sanctified bat. It's a holy bat. Now, the good news is God sees us as special. 1 Peter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were, you once were not a people. You once were just common and even profane, but now you're the people of God. You had not obtained mercy, but now you've obtained mercy. You're special. Turn to somebody near you and say, you're, you're special. And I mean that in a good way. <laughs> Isn't that the code? Man, they're really special. They are really special. What, what would God want to, why would he want to create this idea of holiness and separation? Because when things became holy... It allowed them to reflect who he was. Throughout the book of Leviticus, it doesn't just say that God is holy. It says that we are to reflect God's holiness. So let me give you a machine gun list of passages. Leviticus eleven forty four: For I am the Lord your God, who shall therefore consecrate yourself. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourself with any 
creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Leviticus 11.45, for I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus 19.2, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Leviticus 27, consecrate yourself therefore and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 20, verse 26, and you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. Leviticus 21, verse 8, therefore you shall consecrate him, for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I I, the Lord, who sanctify you, am holy. Leviticus 22, 3, say to them, whoever of you, all your descendants throughout your generations, who goes near uh, the holy things which the children of Israel dedicate to the Lord while he has uncleanness upon him, that person shall be cut off from my presence. I am the Lord. Leviticus 22, 32, you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I, the Lord, I am the Lord who sanctifies you, Jehovah M. Kadesh. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I'm making you something you couldn't be. He said, if you profane my name, that uh, he, or he says, you shall not profane my name. I want to be hallowed. I want to be holy so people will know who I am. And so we reach for holiness because it reflects who God is. It's not intended to reflect who we are. It's intended to reflect a holy, a set-apart God who is still reaching for people who are in darkness. And so the New Testament tells us a few passages about this idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 47. The first man was of the earth made of dust. The second man is the Lord of heaven. And as was the man of dust, so also are you uh, those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also bear the image of the heavenly man. Our lives are meant to bring God glory. 1 Peter chapter 1, 13, therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy. For I am holy. We read the passage. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim. Why has he made you holy? So you can proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many are glad he's called you out of darkness? Amen. And so we realize to be holy is a process that begins from the inside out. It begins inside when a holy God says, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. We call it the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. It comes because a holy God wants to have relationship with us. But a holy God cannot abide in unholy things. 
So how does the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit that is holy, come and live inside of us if we are unholy? It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's through the work of the cross. And that's why when you and I repent of our sins, we reach for his mercy in our lives and we can proclaim this idea that I can be holy. And so a holy God shows up in our lives and he gives us his spirit. He breathes into us to set us on a course so that we can proclaim his light to the world. And that's why how we, as Peter said, conduct our lives is so important. Because he is holy, I am holy in all my conduct because it brings forth the glory of God. That's why our lifestyle disciplines matter. It's why we live in a humble way. We are not trying to be extravagant and let our apparel be something that is known of men. We're humble in how we appear. We're modest. We uh, don't allow ourselves to just live sensual in our lives, but how we reflect ourselves is modest. Uh, our gender distinctions and the, the way we live out our life and reflect uh, who we are as the gender that God has made us, it brings glory to a holy God. It's a holy God that we reflect in our holy conduct. And so, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to be reflected in every area of our life. How we live, what we say, how we treat people, what we do, everything in our life is to reflect a holy God. And so that's why we need this Holy Spirit in us, working, correcting things, allowing the gifts of the Spirit to come alive in us. Why? So we can reflect a holy God. That's why 1 Corinthians 6 would tell us, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take them and the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? He says, uh, he says, shall become one flesh. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. What was the price? Calvary. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God. Everyone say glorify God. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We serve a God who sanctifies us. That's an awesome place to be. To be in a relationship with a God who said, I can make all things new in your life. And so Romans 12, I end with this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. 
that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's holiness begins in the mind, and it should be reflected in everything we do in our life because we serve a God who sanctifies us. Amen. So we're going to take just a moment, and there's two questions that you can consider tonight. The first is, how has the Lord been your shepherd? How has the Lord been your shepherd in your life? Or you can talk about how does God's sanctification in your life impact your everyday life? How has God's sanctification in your life, making you holy, how has that impacted your everyday life? All right, you can have a few moments to discuss that with somebody near you.
All right, why don't you stand tonight? Thankful for his word, thankful for the confidence that we have in processing these two names, even with the group over here, just reminded of how God orders my steps. I told them I'm not, I haven't always been a good sheep, but when I do let God shepherd my life, things are a lot better. And when it comes to sanctification, I realize that anything that I hold back or anything I don't do for the glory of God, ultimately, I'm a better person and may be able to do more. Sanctification actually frees you to be who God wants you to be. And I think that I'm thankful for his willingness to sanctify us, to make us holy. And it's a challenge some days, but I want his holiness to be in every area of my life. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for today. I thank you for your word that speaks to us in so many ways. I thank you for your names and that you have revealed to us throughout scripture, Lord, that allow us to see so many dimensions of who you are and how you interact with us. You are Jehovah and that you look for relationship with us. And I thank you for being a God who is willing to shepherd me. You're willing to walk with me And God, when I do stray or when I do get injured, God, you will come and you will meet me and you will help me. You'll lift me. You'll leave the 99 to to help me. And I thank you for that. I thank you that you would sanctify me. I thank you that you would dare and trust me with your holiness. I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that I would never profane your name. I pray that I would be holy, not for my own credit, not for my own glory, but so that you could bring glory to your name through my life, that you would bring light out of darkness, Lord. In the name of Jesus, use the Calvary Church in a great way this week. Open up opportunities for us, God, to bring glory to your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. All right. Look forward to seeing you Sunday. Find somebody you haven't talked to yet. Tell them how glad you are to see them at the Calvary Church tonight. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.